The reading today is from Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. Jesus told the crowds all these things in parables. Without a parable, he told them nothing. This was to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth to speak in parables. I will proclaim what has been hidden from the foundation of the world. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Gail, for reading our scripture this morning. Before we begin the message this morning, there's some things I want to share with you, three things, uh, as your lead pastor. But first, I need a sip of water. Excuse me. The first is to say that uh, Ebenezer's governing board sent out an e-note this past week as they've been discerning for many months where Ebenezer, uh, where they feel like Ebenezer is in regards to some of the larger issues in the denomination of the United Methodist Church. That letter, if you haven't had a chance to see it, will be posted on the website at some point this week alongside with other letters that have been there which give a lot more background information. And if you have questions and want to talk about it, you can reach out to any of the governing board members who's names are on the letter. You could also reach out to the pastors. We'd be happy to talk with you more about it because we want to hear your input. And again, it is um, clear from the letter that they feel like what we've been saying for decades, that everyone is welcome here still stands. The second thing I want to share with you is that, oh my goodness, what a week in the news, right? And so there are lots of emotions around all that's been going on with hot button issues like gun laws and abortion and such. And we're here to worship God today. We're not going to talk about politics, but I do want to say this, that if you want to talk to somebody about any of that, um, I've heard from some folks who are uh, just want to talk to somebody. So Feel free to contact me or the other pastors or our Christian counselor on staff. He would be willing and uh, would be eager to talk with you and listen as well. That's our job. We would be uh, open to listen to anything you'd like to share. Ebenezer is a big tent church, right? So we have persons who stand and different sides of different issues, but we are called to worship together as one and be one body of Christ. And Christ has prayed that we would be one. So we will worship together as brothers and sisters in this one body. The third thing I want to share is some of you may have heard of a man named Mark Miller. Um, Some of you may not know who that is. He was a pastor who served here at Ebenezer for over 20 years. Incredible pastor. And he left five years ago to move to Virginia Beach United Methodist and serve there. And today is his last Sunday as a pastor. He's retiring and this is his last service. And a number of people told me they were planning on going to be there in Virginia Beach for his service today. So we're going to pray for him and pray for his wife, Lynn, and pray 
pray for this celebration of their going off into retirement. If we all live long enough, we can get there too. Um, I look forward to it one day. (laughs) So we want to lift up Pastor Mark and just thank God for his incredible impact and ministry, not only in the life of Ebenezer, but in the lives of so many people. So would you join me as we pray for him and his family and as we begin our message together this day. God of grace and God of love and mercy. We stand before you today as your children. Side by side to worship you. Thank you, Lord, that we get to be your body here as a church. And we lift up today your servant, Mark Miller, Pastor Mark to many of us. Thank you, Lord, for his impact here in this church and all the lives that you touched through him. Lord, we are so grateful for his ministry and his life and the gifts that you have given to him. We pray today for him and for his wife, Lynn, and their family as they make that transition into retirement. We pray blessings upon them and this wonderful celebration taking place in Virginia Beach today. Our hearts are there and here as well. And we thank you for him. Now, Lord, we pray that you would get me out of the way, that these words this morning would be yours. The words of our mouths, all of our mouths, and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, for you are our rock, our redeemer, our refuge, and our savior. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, you may have heard the story about the starfish. There was a young man walking along along the edge of the ocean, and there were thousands of starfish stranded there at the water's edge. Uh, The young man looked a little farther down the beach, and he saw an older gentleman walking along, stooping often to pick up a starfish and gently toss it back into the ocean's waves. The younger man went up to the older man and said, what are you doing? And the older man said, well, the sun is up and the tide is going out. And if I don't move these starfish into the water, they will die. And the young man said, are you kidding? What are you doing? You can't make a difference. Do you see there are miles of shoreline and thousands of starfish? Even if you worked all day really hard at it, you wouldn't be able to save even a tenth of them. What you're doing will make no difference. The old man listened calmly. Then he knelt down again, picked up another starfish, and put it in the water. And he said, it makes a difference to this one. You want to join me. We can make more of a difference together. I've spent much of my life picking up starfish and mole crabs and tossing them in to the edge of the water. I even pick up earthworms off the sidewalk and put them in the shade and where the dirt is more moist, much to my husband's dismay. It's a way of life, really, isn't it? Waking up in the morning and praying that God will use me, use any of us to help someone who is struggling to live make it a little bit longer. 
It's like waking up in the morning and praying to God, help me, Lord, see some starfish of a person who was out there struggling today for whom things look hopeless, like nothing would make a difference, and help us to do that one small faithful thing that will make a difference in that person's life today. It's like the stories that Gail read for us from the Gospel of Matthew. It's like planting mustard seeds when you can't yet see the mustard or the tree. It's like mixing dough when you can't yet taste the bread. We keep doing the small, faithful things when life looks overwhelming and we don't see immediate results. But it's worth doing. And it's a powerful image that Jesus gives us in our stories today. We've got two very short stories as we wrap up stories worth repeating this morning. The first story is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The second story is found in Matthew and Luke. We're only looking at the versions in Matthew today, though all of the versions are pretty similar. Both stories that we read today are about something small making an impact far beyond belief. In the first story, Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a tiny mustard seed, like the point of a pin that's sowed into a field. The tiny seed grows to be the size of a big shrub or a tree. Some would be as high as just a foot off the ground. Some of the shrubs, some of the trees are known to be over 20 feet high. And that culture at that time, we're probably talking about a tree about 8 or 10 feet high, higher than I can reach. Scripture says it grew large enough that birds could come and make nests in its branches for safe shelter to make a home. Some scholars suggest that mustard plants were undesirable and invasive in the first century culture, taking over gardens and fields much to a farmer's dismay. How interesting then that this seed was sown in intentionally. Maybe Jesus is suggesting it's planted there like, can you imagine someone intentionally planting kudzu in the backyard? But what a beautiful image. Something that grows and is pervasive and tenacious and you can't get rid of it even if you wanted to. It is there in the best and holiest of ways and is meant to stay. Thank God for that. When the love and grace of the gospel spread and hold on to us when we can hardly hold on to it like a persistent gift that keeps on giving, that is omnipresent and never lets us go. If the love of God, like the mustard seed, is planted in like that, just watch what God will do. And if the love of God is as tenacious as Romans 8 tells us it is, thank God for an invasion of God's unconditional love that you can't get rid of because God loves you and there's nothing you can do about that. We need love like that. For many interpreters, though, when we read this story, the biggest point is simply the contrast. That's the bottom line between something that starts small and is hard to see that by God's grace grows into something so big that it is hard to miss. 
The second story also starts small. A baker woman mixes, or as the Greek says, hides a little yeast in three measures of flour. Unless we think three measures of flowers like three cups of flour today, three measures of flour in that culture is worth about 50 pounds of flour. Enough to feed over a hundred people some bread. I buy my flour in five pound bags. Maybe you do too. Imagine ten of those lined up side by side on a massive table, opened up and the flour poured out. That's the amount of flour that we're talking about. Can you imagine trying to mix yeast into that? It looks overwhelming. It looks a little hopeless. It looks like a starfish. It's hard to make a difference. Bear in mind, too, that in the first century, bakers didn't have those neat and tidy little yeast packets like we have today. We're talking something like sourdough starter, that messy, smelly, lumpy, wet yeast that is a whole lot of work. That mixture of flour and water that has to be squeezed and fed and siphoned in this never-ending process. My dad used to say that having sourdough starter in the house was worse than having a dog. Because you had to feed it and take it to the neighbors and you had to take it on vacation with you because you couldn't just leave it behind. Picture trying to work that stuff into 50 pounds of flour on a massive table. That's what we're talking about. No easy task, and it is hard, labor-intensive work that makes a difference. Because how does yeast work? Flour, you know, has bacteria or spores in it that when water is added, this process begins and the bacteria eat the sugar, the carbs in the flour, and that produces carbon dioxide, which is the air that bubbles the yeast and makes the dough rise. Jesus says the kingdom of God is like that kind of bubbling yeast. But much of the time that scripture talks about yeast, it's not in a positive way. Yeast in the Bible more often refers to evil or hypocrisy working its way into people's lives and corrupting, changing them. Yeast transforms the context into which it is inserted, whether that's a big mess of flour or a community or a culture. Jesus turns that kind of understanding into a spiritual matter as if to say, be careful what you're using for yeast or leaven. If we need in what Jesus has told us is most important, what our Axis mission trip team focused on last week, loving God and loving neighbors, we get the kingdom of God in the bread. If we need in things like self-righteous judgment or self-interest or pride, we get a different kingdom entirely. One that is divisive. One that is self-centered. One that is twisted in some other way. Jesus seems to say that if evil can corrupt good, then the reverse is also true. 
Jesus has told us again and again what counts most and what is most important to him, loving God and loving our neighbors, wanting us to hide and mix and knead that into the dough of our communities. The kingdom of God is like yeast breaking down what needs to be broken in order to raise what needs to rise. The result becomes bread that is living, that feeds a multitude, that is hungry for it, and then some. Remember, the same thing happened with a little boy who gave Jesus his lunch. And when Jesus took it, he said, now it's in my hands. Maybe it didn't look like much, but watch what I can do. How do we see these kinds of things work in real life? These small acts of faith and love given into a community that Jesus can grow into something so big that everyone can see it. Let me tell you a story. Years ago, I served uh, in another church and I took uh, 30-some students on a mission trip along with some adult volunteers and we went to some of the poorest regions in the Appalachian Mountains. And when we got there, we joined up with other churches that were also there for the same reason. We split up into teams every morning and went out to serve. Some of our groups were going to play with children and help out with families. Some of our groups were going to make fragile homes warmer, safer, and drier. And some of our groups were going to build wheelchair ramps. And every night we'd gather around a campfire and share stories about how we had seen God that day and the work that we had done together. We also shared brownies and s'mores, very important. And then one night as we were gathered around the campfire, there was one student who got up in the midst of telling the stories and ran off. I was worried, so I went after her. And when I found her, I stopped a few feet away and just sat down in the grass and asked her what was up. Tears were streaming down her face. And she said, Emily, you didn't see what I saw today. It's so broken. I can't fix it. And I won't be able to fix it before we go home. I said, you're right, we can't fix it. And it will still be broken when we leave at the end of the week. And tell me what you saw. Tell me what you did today. Tell me how God used you today. I want to celebrate it. So she started to talk, and as the stories came out, it was one after another. It sounded like tiny mustard seeds being planted on purpose in a field to invade it. It sounded like yeast being worked into a whole big mess of 50 pounds of flour. It sounded like somebody picking up a starfish and tossing it into the ocean. It sounded like a little boy giving Jesus his lunch. What had she done? She had played that day with two little kids all day long, sang songs with them, played out in the yard. All they had for toys were twigs they picked up in the yard and a couple of pieces of paper they had in their trailer. And that was it. And she made up games with twigs all day. She had a ball 
And she couldn't wait to get up the next morning and do it all over again. And she told me that she was exposed to poverty she had never seen before in her life. And it was overwhelming. She had grown up in northern Virginia and it wasn't anything like what she saw in Appalachia. And she didn't know how to handle it. And what I was sitting there thinking as I listened to her and watched the tears keep coming from her eyes, I thought, she's growing as a disciple of Jesus Christ right there in front of me. When what breaks God's heart begins to break ours, that's when we turn into some powerful seeds. That's when we turn into yeast and can be planted into a community, planted into a garden, planted into that mess of flour until it begins to work the whole loaf. How did I see that grow? When we got back to church that Sunday, a couple of weeks later, we did a worship service together, and I invited students to share. And she got up and she told her story to the whole church in every service. And then she told it again and again. And don't you know, next year a whole lot more students went on that mission trip. More adults too. Missions grew in our church by leaps and bounds as she told that story again and again and again. And more students started coming to our student ministries as well because she kept inviting them. Like the older gentleman saying to the younger on the beach, do you want to join me? We can make more of a difference together. That's what God does, right? Jesus said this is what the kingdom of God is like. These small faithful acts that we do to make a difference when somebody's life looks like it's just so overwhelmed. What does it look like for us? Well, we could ask the 47 people who just got back from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and they could tell us the stories about what God did there, how God used them on that access trip. We could ask the people who yesterday went to Fredericksburg Area Food Bank and filled up boxes to be given to seniors. We could also be making backpacks for the kids at Moncure. We could sponsor children in Sierra Leone through our Go for Bow ministry. We could do something as simple as telling our next door neighbor that we'll be praying for them when they're going through a hard time. We could befriend someone at school that other folks seem to avoid. And it's as simple as taking a meal to somebody else who could really use it. It starts small. Small acts of faithful love that we are called to do. Yeast and seeds are tiny things that can start with twigs and giggles in a yard and change the life of two little girls whose names you will never forget out in Appalachia and become a tree so large that no one else would miss seeing it. It's incredible what Jesus can do with faithful acts of love loving God and loving others with all that we are and making it genuine and making it real. When it comes down to it, 
There might be a lot of us crying around a campfire over a world we cannot fix. And over all that is broken within it. God gives us the tools to use. And God calls it love. The older man said to the younger, it makes a difference to this one starfish he picked up. And then he asked, do you want to join me? We can make more of a difference together. I ask you the same question today. I'm already committed. Will you join me? in small, faithful acts of love, loving God and loving others in our community right where we are day after day after day. We can make more of a difference together and watch that yeast grow and see the mustard plants take over the field. (laughs) We have work to do. I hope you'll join me. Amen, and amen, and amen.